0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we'll see how this goes. Ready? Ah. I didn't actually fix it. I just did like a tweak so it didn't have that hard cutoff. Um, But anyways. So um, it's almost not even worth mentioning because it happens more often than not. But we're a little short on time today. And by a little, I have about uh, 50 minutes, which sounds like a really long time. But generally, um, even when I have an hour, I'm short on time and I can barely get through a half hour episode. So, if I can just kind of stay on task and really rip through this, we might have a full show. We'll see how it goes. I don't have anyone to thank for a Venmo donation today. So, thanks a lot for that, guys. Now my kids are just going to starve. I'm kidding. I I actually, uh, I don't know if you knew that, I have a full time job. And they are gracious enough to not only pay my rent, but they buy all my groceries. They're good people. And unfortunately, my children are not starving and are eating just fine. In fact, they're eating so well, they feel that they have uh, the right to complain about the food that my work buys for them. Oh, that got dark kind of fast, didn't it? Wow. I'm excited though, because today, I just, it feels different. Yesterday, I told you that it it's kind of a bad couple days. People whining and complaining. And then I got to work and it just got worse. But I just, I just got a feeling today's going to be a good day. Didn't see any complaints. I'm feeling a little bit better. Sometimes you can just kind of tell. Yesterday I knew it was going to be a bad day, and it just, it absolutely was. Today's going to be good, man. Might not seem like it. The world's falling in on itself again. But I, you know, I just, I got a feeling. Today is my boy's birthday. Happy birthday to him. He's passed out, so I can't tell him. So I'll tell you. We're about a week away from my daughter's first birthday and by first birthday i mean kind of like her zero birthday if that makes sense which it doesn't it's kind of weird that your first birthday is is actually your second birthday isn't it i mean birthday is day of birth right unless we just start calling it the your anniversary birthiversary that would make sense but it's not it's called birthday does anybody know what i'm talking about right now never mind forget it forget it i'll just talk to myself later on i'll have a conversation with myself okay Since you don't care about my feelings. For those of you that are new, this is a Packers podcast. Thanks for joining me. We'll 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 get started momentarily. Just getting you all up to speed. Actually, um kinda caught me off guard a little bit. I was all raring to go. Um went back over the Packers notes from training camp. I'm like, All right, what's give me some notes for tomorrow, man. Let's do this and I'm ripping through it and the the journalists and whatnot are just talking about random things and I'm like, Wow, they're They're not mentioning much. And I just figure, well, we just haven't gotten through it yet. You know, because usually when they first get out there, they're doing push-ups and jumping jacks and wind sprints. And I felt like I was scrolling for a long time, and all of a sudden I get to the point where it just says, and that's it for training camp. I was like, wait a minute. What, did I miss it? What happened? Apparently they didn't really do anything. They did, like, warm-ups and walk-throughs. And somebody made one note about, there was a, I think, Aaron Rodgers passed something to Lazard. I didn't even know. I I figured maybe he might have even been kidding. I don't know i didn't want to put it down because it seemed like that might have been fake and even if it wasn't why would i i mean i kind of just mentioned it but so basically nothing happened in in training camp yesterday there were a couple interviews after the fact so we'll mention the couple little tidbits that we got from that uh jj was kind enough to send me some clips i am probably gonna just do without though just because of the lack of time i was uh good enough to myself to write them down. But then we're gonna to have to get into some other stuff, which is perfect because what I want to do is take some of the negative comments from YouTube and comment on them. Not from a complainy standpoint, it's just it's kind of fun because sometimes when you talk to Packer fans, everybody's just like, oh yeah, totally. I, I totally get that. But then when I do my YouTube channel, part of the the fun thing about it is it's partly Packers, partly NFL Draft. So you get a lot of other fans from other fan bases that hear my Packers stuff and are like, you're a moron. The Packers are trash and they're going to get to... And it's like, whoa, 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 What? what is this? I've never heard this point of view in my life. And then I get all angry and I start researching stuff and then I feel real good. And it's like, yes, I miss this, man. I miss this whole, like, I have to do research on why the Packers are awesome. Thank you, Vikings fan, for making me do this. Thank you for making me verify what I thought to be true, that your team is garbage. Thank you for making me look these things up because I thought maybe I was going crazy and maybe I've been saying stuff on my podcast that's not true. Turns out, I'm right. He's wrong. Story of my life. <laughs> oh, see, it's a, it's a good day. I'm braggy today. That's how you know. Um, what else is... Oh, I haven't heard any confirmation, but I believe the plan um, for today... Uh, the plan... What? Let me just look here. I should probably pause this while I look so I don't have to talk and waste tape anyways i i believe uh there is an interview that i did not for this show but was interviewed which i i completely don't mind i was worried that maybe they heard me on my anti-interview rants i don't mind being interviewed because being interviewed is just like being on a podcast people are asking me questions and i get to rant i don't i don't know how to ask questions it's why i'm terrible at like small talk i don't know what to ask you and I, I don't i have no idea I'm a moron. I don't, I literally, I got nothing. I wish I did. I wish when I saw a human being's face, my brain just didn't go, eh, let's think about football. It's like, no, we got to, we got to talk to this guy. He's literally staring right at my face right now. I don't know what to do. Give me an answer. I have no idea. But, you know, again, when the tables are flipped and it's like, hey, talk to me about football. It's like, dude, all right, let's do this. Just to be clear. But uh, the Unknown Packers podcast, uh, Bryce Christensen. Uh, reached out from the Unknown Packers podcast, was like, hey, would you like to do a little thing? And I was like, absolutely. I've never said no to that. I don't I do not do it very often. I know when I just started this podcast, um, Brian Caravu, uh, sort of the OG Packers podcaster, reached out. And I went on his show. I've done quite a few for the BBC, which is one of my favorite things ever. It's just awesome. It's probably a program that six people listen to out there in, in London town. But I don't care. It's still awesome to say that I did an interview with the BBC. It's kind of a tradition at this point. They reach out during the season. And then uh, Bryce. So if you haven't uh, listened to their show, go look it up. Again, I don't know if I got confirmation. I don't even know if we've confirmed that he got my email with the, the the audio file. So there might not be a show. But I believe that's going up today. So check that out. That was a That was a lot of fun. It's also kind of fun, too, because it's very broad. And I generally am very, like, zoomed in because we do this just about every day and you got to find topics and everything else. So it's nice to just be like, who's your favorite player? It's like, jeez, that's, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, big picture stuff. Um, you'd never know we were short on time, would you? Anyways, link's in the description. This, that, and the other. Completely kidding about the donations, by the way. I, I would almost feel bad if somebody donated. So if, you, if you're if you planning on it, skip today, do it tomorrow. You're <laughs> going to feel really guilty. But um, why don't we just do the notes now before the break? just so it hasn't been eight minutes of nothing and then commercials. Um, so again, there were no pads. There was not a whole lot going on today. Uh, this was training camp number eight. It was outside. It was actually an hour and 18 minutes. I, it, again, I, I really thought maybe this was like 15 minutes because nothing happened. It was an hour and 18 minutes. so It was like a normal, normal length of practice, somewhere between an hour and two hours or whatever. Just nothing happened. And let me just say... Every time I see updates, I don't know if you saw this recently, the Cleveland Browns just released a, an update of, of just their DBs, how many injuries they had. There's like f- four or five just defensive backs. Grant Del- Grant Delpit, I think, was one of, their, one of their or their only first-round picks. Maybe the Browns are down to just having one a year like the rest of us now. But anyways, he might be out for the season. And this is happening all over the NFL. And the more I see that, the more it's like, you know what? Just do this for the rest. Of- I don't even care. I know we can't do that, and, I, and they need to be doing some tackling and some pads on and, and banging into each other and, and some kind of live work and, and just having guys sprinting around the field that a guy could tear his Achilles. There's there's no way to 100% shield from this. But I, I'll tell you what, every day that they go inside and I'm not hearing about guys out for the season and all around the NFL I hear this, all I can think is, thank you so much, Matt LaFleur and staff, for doing such a good job. Seriously. I mean, last year, and, and, and it could be a fluky thing, But there's no question, and and Mike tried to do this too, Mike McCarthy, but but Matt LaFleur, you know, you look at just veteran rest days last year and and how, you know, guys like Mercedes just didn't really do anything during the week. They were out almost all week and then played during the games and and played a limited amount of snaps during the games. And, you know, it's probably a mix of both of of deliberate whatever and then a, a good helping of luck. Because again, some of this stuff just can't be avoided. But but when you take care of your bodies in the right way, you're less likely, especially for these fluky type injuries, right? If somebody comes flying in full speed and smacks you in the kneecap at the top of their helmet, probably not amount of, there's probably not an amount of rest that's going to protect you from destroying your knee and being out sometime. But um, yeah, and, and it's just when you weigh it, right? Think about being prepared, which really just means the first few weeks of the season. Because everybody's going to be up to speed by midseason. And nobody's going to be prepared the first two to three weeks. It it doesn't, I mean, even during a normal time with preseason and everything else, everybody's kind of trash week one and week two. And we, I mean, even sometimes into week four, it's like, man, you guys still don't know how to tackle? Come on. So again, you weigh the pros and the cons between the Packers going inside, and even when you hear about injuries, it's within a day or two they're back out. Or, I mean, the only somewhat significant injury was Montravius who had a walking boot for a day. And no offense to Montravius, but, I mean, he's not exactly Aaron Rodgers. I don't think there's a single Packer fan outside of Montravius's mom that's thinking he's going to be a full-time starter anytime in the near future. I hope he is, right? Just like I hope Oren Burks has a great camp and steps up and is a great linebacker for us. He's got great, but I don't expect it anyways I thought I'd throw that out there. In addition to that, the reports came back that out of I don't know how many thousands of COVID tests, zero players had COVID. There was a, the big scare with New Jersey with a bunch of false positives, which kind of a good thing that it was the NFL because if it's individual if, the, if each of these people were individuals, they would all just assume they had actual positive COVID tests. That's kind of the, the negative of when you get bad test result. You don't know if it's just you it's just like hey you're positive and there's so many asymptomatic people it's like oh shoot okay that's scary glad we caught it but because it's a large group it's like wait a minute why all of a sudden are we having this huge spike and then you look that it all came from one place and then you're able to catch it so that was a a huge benefit but no positives and i think there were six uh staff members which i think is a wide net of anybody involved with the nfl not players so pretty stunning now Obviously, the bigger risk comes as they start traveling around, slightly bigger. I mean, it's it's still somewhat isolated, I'm, I'm assuming, right? I mean, they're not going to be getting on public buses, and I would assume when they take a plane, they're going to be the only ones on the plane, so it's still going to be just their group. So really, the, the biggest and most important thing is these guys aren't going out on their own, you know, after, after game time, going out and partying, going to the bars, going to this, that, or the other. That's going to be the biggest thing. But uh, there's still an increased risk, right, B- based on cleaning practices. Obviously, Lambeau Field and all that, they are scrubbing top to bottom. How much are buses and airplanes and hotel rooms and, and hotel lobbies and everything? How, how well scrubbed are the, the – I'm, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to induce panic. I'm just stating what I feel is fairly straightforward and, and reasonable to assume. I don't know. But either way, it's, it's not anything I don't think any of us expect it. The fact that just people coming in off the street, there were dozens of COVID tests, right? We had, I don't know, between when this whole thing started and people coming in and getting tested, there were somewhere around close to maybe 100 or something. I feel like it was 80 something that had COVID. And since they came to these, which kind of just goes into what I said and what a lot of people have said before, there's, it's probably a safer place to be than just out there in the world. Nothing against anybody that wants to take off because you can take additional precautions, right? You can just completely isolate and stay away from guys that might be making bad decisions. But for the most part, there's going to be less people on the whole getting it in Lambeau than there are just out there where a lot of these guys are not going to be doing what they have to do now that they're with the team. And that has basically proved itself after one week of zero people getting this. So hopefully they can keep that up again. It's always going to be hard to keep it out entirely. That's kind of the theme of this whole virus anyways. It's You can't keep it out entirely, but you can do the best that you can do. And uh, so far, so good. My goodness, it's 4.30 already. Jeez. So that would be that. Um, notes from Aaron Rodgers. Number one, he said that he suspects there will be a good amount of 12 personnel this season. Whenever people talk about personnel, the the 12 just stands for how many running backs, how many tight ends, and then through the process of deduction, you can figure out how many wide receivers, right? It's same with 3-4 defense. If you say 3-4, you're talking about three defensive linemen, four linebackers, which through the process of deduction, when you say there's 11 people on the team, means that there's four defensive backs on the field. Generally, that's going to be two corners and two safeties, right? That's 3-4 defense. 12 personnel is how many running backs, how many tight ends. So one running back, two tight ends, which when you factor in a quarterback and five offensive linemen, uh, that brings us to nine people. Meaning, how many are left? Two wide receivers. Now, the most common usage in the NFL for every team, every single team runs this more than anything, including the Green Bay Packers, 11 personnel. And, and I would assume the Packers still run 11 personnel more than 12 personnel, but it's it's sort of like when you talk about a team that runs the ball a lot or is a run-heavy team, it's still probably less than 50% of the time that they run the ball. All right. So a heavy dose of 12 personnel still is probably less than the amount of 11 personnel. But some important things to glean from this. Number one, I had talked about, and JJ has taken this and taken it to a whole nother level, making wagers with people and whatnot, but it, it points to, I mean, 12 personnel with two tight ends is a heavier base personnel. Largely, when you have a heavier personnel, although you can absolutely throw out of it, means you're probably going to see more running than you did last year. When Rodgers says we're going to a 12 personnel, we're shifting from a lighter 11 personnel to slightly more 12, you're probably also shifting to a little bit more run-heavy offense. Also... It's important to note that when you only have two wide receivers, wide receiver becomes less important, tight end becomes more important. This is something else I've been saying for quite some time. This, this offense taking a step forward has more to do with Jay Sternberger and Josiah Deguara than whether or not MVS and EQ or, or Draft or Funches or whoever really steps up. Right? We have Devontae Adams, we have Alan Lazard. And, and so what this means is 12 personnel would be Aaron Jones at running back or Dylan or whatever, Josiah Deguara, Jay Sternberger, Devontae Adams, alan lazar now again we're going to be running all kinds of different persons there's going to be two backs right 21 personnel two backs one tight end 11 personnel one running back one tight end three wide receivers it's going to be all that stuff but this is a big part of the reason why drafting a wide receiver wasn't quite as important because this offensive scheme doesn't put as much emphasis on having a bunch of really talented wide receivers this isn't mike mccarthy's offense where you spread out five wide receivers and just shoot down the field or, or a modern-day example would be the uh, Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals utilize utilize a spread offense, right? Five wide receivers, it's, it's important, right? They they draft, they went out and, and acquired talented wide receivers and drafted wide receivers really highly and still continue to draft wide receivers. Why? Because we need a bunch. The Packers are going in the opposite direction. Tight ends, fullbacks, running backs, become a lot more important in this type of a system, as well as the offensive line. Wide receivers are still obviously important, but we already have Devontae Adams, who's one of the best in the NFL. So it'd be nice to have another wide receiver, which we already have, and Alan Lazard, who's solid. But having a bunch of really talented wide receivers means a bunch of talent sitting on the bench. Not all the time, but again, becomes less important when an increased amount of time that number three guy, MVS or whoever is sitting on the bench. Um, the, the big note of the day from aaron Rodgers, um he says here's what the tweet says interesting tidbit from rogers said he was watching a cut up uh from practice in 2010 took that to practice this week and quote then the last two days happened end quote mentions how some of the va- most valuable tape you can watch is of yourself so th- this is this is cool because of what it could possibly mean and it's sort of one of those i can't think of an example what would be an example well, I guess like me waking up yesterday to negative comments and assuming it was going to be a negative day, right? It's sort of an omen, sort of this magical thing. Although it's there's it's based in some logic, but a lot of it is, is puffed up, whatever. But the point is, he went back, right? So, okay, zoom out a little bit. Aaron Rodgers, although a lot of Packer fans refuse to acknowledge it, has been on a bit of a decline. To what degree is debatable, but there's there's really not that much debate that 2019 Aaron Rodgers, 2018, 2017, 2016, I guess, is not 2009, 2010 through 2014. 2010 to 2014, or let's say 2009 to 2014, was prime Aaron Rodgers. There's no question about it, 2019 Rodgers and 2011 Aaron Rodgers are not the same guy. Forget the talent around him, it's just different. And so, to a degree, it's kind of like, well, you know, this is just sort of a natural thing. And the hope we put in this was the change in scheme will will help. Right? It's a more quarterback-friendly thing, and if he just settles into it, it's really going to help him, and completion percentage is going to go up his yards, even though it's maybe a little more short-yardage stuff. I, I bet his yardage goes up, even with, with more running, because you, you jack up the efficiency and you start getting yards after the catch kind of things, and all you got to do is dump it off five yards, let him run for another 20, and look at that big pass Rodgers had, which, by the way, is a stupid stat. Why should a quarterback get credit for that, other than, you know, basic statistics don't know how to account for that, but you know, we do have more advanced things now. I think we should be looking at that. Kind of like half sacks. I think that's stupid. We should stop doing that. Now, maybe sometimes with half sacks, it's necessary. If you're getting a sack, which is basically somebody else sacked them and you just pile on top of it, you shouldn't get credit for that. But if you get there, you get there. Quarterback should be given credit for the pass that they made, not how many yards the wide receiver gets after you made the pass. Right? It makes sense to me. What 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 is a quarterback? Why is he getting credit for all those yards? Plus, isn't that exactly why we do half-sacks? Because we want the yardage to match up? How does the yardage match up if we get, if we double-counting the yards from the wide receiver as well as the quarterback? The yards don't match up. So don't act like we can't do that. Anyways, what was I talking about? Oh, so we, we had put our hope in the scheme, but now... We've got Aaron Rodgers say, which maybe is a bad thing, actually, now that I think about it. Because what we want is for Aaron Rodgers to let go of the past and embrace the future. But instead, we get Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what? I figured it out. I found the secret from 2010 about what made me different then. And now, I've applied it to practice, and I have ripped everybody's face off. Which translation means there was two good passes in practice. But anyways, I, I didn't think about that negative aspect until now. But let's just keep it positive. Aaron Rodgers seems to have found the secret formula that he had forgotten about. The thing that made him great. He didn't say any of this, but I'm saying this. The thing that made him great that he had forgotten about and stopped doing and now he's doing it and now he's going to be back and hopefully if that doesn't pan out he lets it go lets it die and really embraces this matt lafleur thing that'd be great um interestingly there's another note here aaron Rodgers says matt lafleur texted him the other night with some practice ideas said they were fantastic we worked a couple of them in practice yesterday hit them both for big gains so i don't know how that mixes with we got some really big gains out of Did Matt LaFleur text him with the idea? I don't know. I'm confused. But anyways, Matt LaFleur's also giving him good ideas. So he's getting good ideas from all over the place. So it's, 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 the more I say it, the more it's really starting to feel like training camp nonsense, you know, like just, oh man, this guy's just killing it. He's going to be so good. Better watch out. And I, again, I'm in that fan-to-fan network thing. So I watch a lot of other videos and every single one of them, they got this guy. Got to watch out for this guy, man. Oh my goodness. This guy's going to be the best ever. You won't even believe it. You're right, I won't. (laughs) Um, And then Aaron Rodgers on MVS. This is becoming a common theme, but, quote, he has to make his last couple days his standard, unquote. Re-quote, very talented young kid, explosive, improved route runner. He can do things after the catch comes down to consistency. So, again, we kind of knew that. Um, on the injury front, Jair did come back to practice. Zadarius Smith came back to practice, which really excited me. I'm like, dude, Jair and Zadarius are back. We're going to be getting notes about how good Zadarius is, and Jair's going to be shutting people down. It's going to be great, and then they didn't do anything. Uh, John Runyon is practicing. I guess he was a little banged up. It was a question of whether or not he was going to be out, and he was probably, possibly. And, th- and this might even be why you saw Jair, Zadarius and Runyon playing, is because they're not doing anything. So it's entirely possible that today they're on the sideline again, if they're even doing anything today. I don't know. I believe they are. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. Uh, Rick Wagner was out there after leaving last Thursday, and uh, a lot of people said they did not see Raven Green, so I don't know what's up with that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, Right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. And now I got to figure out So that's that's it for notes. I got to figure out, I got two things and I don't think I'm going to do the the Vikings rant because it just it's not going to work with time right now. Plus, I've done it before. It was just kind of a long time ago. But basically, there was a guy in the comment section saying the the, the Packers thing was, was overly optimistic. And he went through a bunch of stuff that I thought was not entirely true. I mean, granted, it, it's not impossible for somebody else to say I'm being too optimistic about the Packers, even though I don't think I am. I don't even know what I said, but probably win the division, which... To say that that's overly optimistic is ridiculous. But anyways, it became very apparent as I'm reading his notes that this is a Vikings fan because he starts getting very irate when he talks about the Vikings. So there's always one thing that triggers it, right? It, somebody else he called me an idiot because of my assessment of the Bills linebackers. Right? It doesn't matter what it is, right? Bears fans get mad what I say about their linebackers. Everyone flips out. It's amazing how many garbage teams... Fans think have they have perfect rosters, and if you say anything, well, we need to replace these guys because they're not very good. They flip out. Like, dude, why do you think your team is trash? Like, you're, you, I people are nuts. It's just how many people have zero ability to be critical of their own team or or listen to criticism of their team. Anyways, his assessment of things first of all was that uh, Matt Staffordless Lions almost beat us twice, which isn't true. Matt Stafford played the first game, and that the Packers barely beat the vikings the first time around which is laughable granted the end score was kind of close but if you actually watch the game nothing about it was close i counted three plays that weren't trash from the vikings they were very big plays which comes down to what's going on with the uh the defense which did a fantastic job but they got to stop those big plays but you take those three big plays away and the vikings have like three points and everything else was basically a three and out. It was, it was the most embarrassing, pathetic performance from the Vikings ever up until the next time they played the Packers. So I, I guess I won't get into specifics, but just if any Vikings fans are listening, and that's your assessment, is that the Vikings came close, you absolutely did not. The Lions did, yes, both times. The Packers have a hard time with the Lions. The Vikings, nope. You had a garbage schedule. You barely made it into the playoffs. The Packers spanked you twice. In fact, I think the Bears spanked you twice. And your team got worse. End of story. You want me to respect the Vikings? I I just, I can't. I can respect certain things about it. You get credit for everything I already gave you credit for. Cousins had a great year. I don't know if he's able to replicate that. He did lose Stephon Diggs, and it was the best year of his career by far. Your star running back, I don't even know if he's going to play this year. I don't know what's going on with that. I know they're working on a contract or whatever, but he's not happy. And obviously, you guys don't want to pay him because that's ridiculous to pay a guy who's played half the snaps and and the other half of his snaps he's spent sidelined with injury. And he's looking for some Ezekiel Elliott contract. That's never going to happen. So hopefully, you can just kind of sweep it under the rug and he ends up playing a year and then you can dump him. I mean, my goodness, you guys literally lost every starting corner on your team. You lost Everson Griffin. You lost Linval Joseph. I what? What do you want from me? You're asking me, a Packers fan, to be dishonest and nice to the Vikings? Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm high on the Lions. I've said complimentary things about the Vikings, but I, I, I mean, come on. If I can be honest about the Packers and critical of the Packers, you're telling me I can't be critical of the Vikings? Grow up, dude. It is what it is. If you can't embrace the fact that that all signs point to regression, I can't help you. I've already pointed out Zedarius is probably going to regress. Preston is probably going to regress. I've pointed to a couple of these things. But the fact of the matter is the Green Bay Packers are are already stacked in the positions they need to be. They don't have a bunch of old, overpaid guys like the Vikings do, so they're not losing talent left and right. They're not at all. Instead, the team is stacked with really young talent that's that's probably only going to be getting better. There's no reason to believe 22-year-old Darnell Savage, or however old he is, is going to regress. There's no reason to believe Adrian Amos is going to regress. There's no reason to believe we're getting worse at linebacker. There's no reason to believe we're getting worse along the offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, running back, tight end. There's not a single position outside of pass rusher that I can think of that, that I would assume is going to get worse. It's just, I just, I don't understand. I'm, I'm assuming most Vikings fans can, can look this reality in the face and just embrace it and just hope it doesn't happen, but at least acknowledge the thought process behind it. It just is rational. It's just basic... Rationality, rationalization, rationalism, rationality. Did I say that already? I don't know. I'm not sure how many ways I can use that word, but I mean we get it, right? I, mean, I know I'm talking to a bunch of Packer fans, but how in the how how in your twisted mind can you say that the Vikings are going to win the division? Because that's the thing. Oh, you're 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 you barely beat the Vikings and you're overinflating the Packers. Okay, so what are you saying? We're not going to beat you twice again? We're not going to win the division. You are. You couldn't do it last year. I mean, the Bears have just as much claim to that as you do. At least they didn't get worse. They probably got a big upgrade at, at a quarterback. I know that's not the report out of camp, but still probably. The running back is very likely going to be taking a step. Wide receivers probably, you know, Allen Robinson's probably going to end up having the best quarterback of his career, as sad as that is to say. Defense didn't get worse, worse, same guys. In fact, it might actually get quite a bit better because it's the second year in in, uh, in what's-his-name's uh, scheme. So there's actually a fairly decent chance that they even get better. The team that beat you twice. And the Lions get their starting quarterback back. And they massively upgraded their corners. The word out of camp is that Amani Arouarie has been the best corner in camp. That's great news considering they got Desmond Trufant, who's solid from Atlanta, and drafted Jeff Okuda in the first round. Trey Flowers is a very good edge rusher. They picked up Danny Shelton, who's a solid run defender. Justin Coleman, who's their their slot corner. A very good corner. He just had a down year last year. If he gets back to what he was, I just, you know. And this is the thing. I don't know what the Lions are going to be, but I can easily point to the Lions and say, oh, here's why they're going to get a lot better. It's very easy to do. I cannot do that for the Vikings because it's impossible because you got worse. (sighs) This isn't exactly how i planned it out i was going to go through that that week one matchup and just kind of go through and and lay it all out there maybe i'll do that at another time but it's just it's just i mean i know this is what fans do but at least at least come with some kind of information don't come to me with with you barely beat the vikings week one because that's a lie go back and watch it it was the most embarrassing performance the vikings have ever had and that happened twice and both times it was against the packers the vikings looked completely helpless that offense got devoured by the Packers' defense twice last year. And it would have been three times had you beat the 49ers. It's too bad you didn't, because then we could have gone to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I forgive you. We wouldn't have beat the Chiefs anyways, and it would have been even more heartbreaking. But, you know, Matt Stafford... No, we played Matt Stafford, dude. He was 18 of 32 for 265 yards. No touchdowns. Is that true? That's not true, is it? Jeez, Matt Prater had like 50 field goals in this game. I didn't re- I didn't know that. It was basically all field goals and carry on ran for one. Anyways, I'm way off topic here. I do want to very quickly get to the other thing. I thought this would be kind of a neat little segment. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to utilize that uh, uh, Pro Football Focus thing for college. Um, obviously, it was a big swing and a miss this weekend when I wanted to do top ten, because again, when you get down past the top two or three, it's just kind of kind of eh. All right, nah, he's he's decent in this, decent in this. I don't really know what else to say about. Him. I do have another idea on what I'm going to do with my videos. That's a whole separate thing. But I thought, why don't I dig in a little bit on the guys we got? And I I wanted to get maybe a little bit more information. And rather than doing all of them at once, let's just do one at a time. So let's start with Mr. Jordan Love. Now, some of this is kind of known already, but it's just kind of more specific information, I guess. So the first thing that was a little bit surprising, we all know 2019, or, you know, I shouldn't say that, but if you don't know, Jordan Love was fantastic in 2018, just absolutely tore it up. 2019, though, was really, really rough. He threw 17 interceptions in 2019. However, despite that, he still was graded as the fifth best, had the fifth highest throwing grade of any quarterback. Now, this is just looking at the 2020 quarterbacks that were, you know, that were drafted or whatever, or undrafted, I guess. Just that class. So it's not all of college football, but still fifth best throwing grade despite that, which was a little bit surprising because when you're throwing 17 interceptions and just getting absolutely lit up, I didn't really expect that. Um, there was a lot talked about as far as his decline and how he's not very good, but I don't think enough was made. I know I've mentioned it maybe once on the show, but I don't think enough has been made about the decline of Utah State, the, the team that he came from. If we look at the offensive line, for example, and you can rank things not just by player or, or uh, position, but by team. And each team has a category, you know, passing and receiving and all that kind of stuff. If you look at the pass-blocking grade of Utah State in 2018, they ranked 25th in the nation. Not bad for a rinky-dink little school, right? Now, granted, it's it's all based on the competition you go up against. It's a whole thing. But still, just general reference. 25th best pass-blocking unit in all of football. In 2019, they were 77th. Almost the entire offensive line left. And they went from 25th to 77th. Jordan Love led all the quarterbacks in hit as he threw, which not only points to the amount of pressure he was under, but also kind of points to the amount of interceptions he threw. Because I'm willing to bet if you're getting hit as you throw it, the ball's kind of laying up there quite a bit. Now, I went back and watched, and a lot of these were not hit as he threw type interceptions, but I can think of off the top of my head at least one. But again, just the general amount of pressure doesn't help. And and for reference, and I've mentioned this a couple times, it's it's not because he held the sacks wasn't because he held onto the ball very long. He got the ball out of his hand in 2.5 seconds, which is blazing fast. It was faster than any I think the fastest time in the NFL was 2.51. I think it was Andy Dalton or something, which seems random. Also, his wide receivers were not very good. In 2018, his his wide receiver group, the receivers ranked 44th. Not great to begin with but whatever. They went from 44th to 74th from 2018 to 2019. Drops were also a big issue. Uh, Jordan Love faced the 11th most drops in 2019. There were 25 drops on the season. Jordan Love tied for second on deep throws. It's another thing. If you went back and watched his tape from 2019, there were a ton of beautiful passes that guys just dropped. So deep passes he tied for second most drops for his wide receivers. To make matters worse, his highest graded receiver was Siasse Mariner. He had a 75 overall receiving grade. And if you look at some of the other quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, for example, Joe Burrow, he had McClendon, who was 83 overall. Justin Jefferson was 86 overall. And Jamar Chase, 91 overall. Probably going to be a top 10 pick in the 2021 draft, possibly top five. Very good wide receiver. Tua had four receivers that were 75 or above. I'm guessing you probably know some of their names because they, they were either drafted last year or will be drafted this upcoming draft. And then even Herbert didn't have the greatest group in the world, but Jacob Breland was graded at an 87.6 overall. Again, compared to the 75 overall, that was the best receiver uh, Jordan Love had to deal with. So the circumstances were a lot worse. I mean, obviously, compare the offensive line of Utah State to that of LSU Alabama in particular, and even Oregon had a bunch of guys that were at least considered to be really top picks. And also, probably, the. he's not going to make it past the top three, the Oregon left tackle, Penny Sewell. Best offensive lineman in all of football, and it's not even close. One of the better offensive line prospects to come out in some time. If he came out in the 2020 draft, he would have been the first tackle taken, no doubt about it. Depending on how things fall, he could potentially be the number one pick in the draft. Let me put it this way. The first non-quarterback taken will be Pene Sewell. And then uh, just a couple other little interesting tidbits that I've found. Um, Jordan Love doesn't seem to like to take off and run. On average, Love decided to bail on the play at 5.34 seconds. That's a pretty long time. Right? He's getting the ball out in two and a half seconds on average. He waits until almost five and a half seconds before he's like, all right, I should probably start running now. That was the 10th longest in all of college football. So... Again, maybe you kind of knew all that, but it's nice to get a, a kind of more defined look at, at exactly how drastic these things were. But if you didn't know, now you know. He got a lot worse in 2019. A lot of it... Oh, and, and by the way, there was a, a, a change of the guard in, as far as his coaching. So even the scheme and everything changed. So a lot happened. And it also kind of goes to what's happening in Green Bay right now. It doesn't look pretty. Why? Well, it's a complete change. Not that he has a bad offense. Well, he kind of does if he's running with the threes. He does have a pretty bad offensive line. But the point is, he's he's still got to figure out the the mental processing and all that. But look what happened in 2018. He had some time to to learn and process Utah State's offense. And by the time 2018 rolled over and he took the reins, and he had this thing all figured out as far as the footwork and the, the scheme and everything that they wanted him to know, he absolutely tore up the league. So let's give him some time. That was always the thing with Jordan Love anyways. The the assumption was he can be a good quarterback, but he's going to need some time. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. If there's a ton of training camp notes, that might take up uh, the majority of the time. Otherwise, I'll try to have some Jordan, or excuse me, some A.J. Dillon notes, and we'll just kind of work through the draft class that way, just as a little separate segment to kind of take an individual look at our draft picks. Maybe even go into some of these undrafted free agents if there's any tidbits. Maybe that'll just be one big segment altogether. I don't know, but... I don't know. We'll play with it. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.